the book of Judges, uh, about how things would go well for a time, and then people would just kind of start sinning, and then because of that sinning, then God would bring about some type of of uh, of um, nation that would come in and would would oppress them, and things wouldn't go so well for them, and then then things would be bad. So then the nation of Israel would cry out, God would send a deliverer, and then the nation would get back going good, and then it would just kind of cycle through many many times. But do you notice that the Holy Spirit appears numerous times in the Book of Judges, among other places? Now, we also have to expand our definition for what we're looking at. If you are trying to look up the word Holy Spirit, you won't find it very many times at all in the Old Testament. You'll find it in the New Testament, but not so much in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they preferred to use the name Spirit of the Lord. So whenever you start to look for the phrase Spirit of the Lord, you'll see the Spirit of the Lord shows up quite often in the Old Testament. One of those occasions is here in Judges chapter 3. In Judges 3 verses 9 and 10, but when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer, Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's uh, younger brother, who saved them. The Spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. Okay, so now, literally, like I said, I just kind of pick this as one among many examples. If you want to kind of search these things out on your own, just kind of search throughout some of the judges and, and look and pay close attention to that phrase, Spirit of the Lord, because you will see it several times. Another person that I guess I could even uh, look at would be the, the judge of, of, uh, of Samson. When you look at the judge of, of Samson, there's so many times in that story in which the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. But, you know, when you find that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a certain individual in the Old Testament, it usually is going to result in some type of judgment. Now, to us, many times we would look at that judgment of God and we would say that that, you know, appears pretty harsh because, you know, he's bringing out judgment upon uh, different nations. Sometimes that's the nation of God's people. Sometimes that's the nation of someone else. Oftentimes in the book of Judges, it's going to be on other nations, the one who are oppressing them. So that's where we see here that, that he became Israel judge and he went to war. Well, who did he go to war with? Keep looking at these surrounding verses and you find out that it's the ones who are oppressing them. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is empowering the judges to bring about God's judgment. Now, we can also see this throughout the prophets, because the prophets, both the minor and the major prophets, they received prophecies by the Spirit. I mean, literally, those visions and everything were given to them by the Holy Spirit. And we see, uh, if you just kind of look throughout where the, the Spirit is guiding them and what the Spirit is revealing to them, you will find out that it is so closely connected with judgment, and sometimes some pretty harsh things are connected with what the Spirit is doing in the world. So, you know, we need to recognize, look, this is still the same Holy Spirit that we read about in the New Testament that we think about as all these, these positive traits, and he is. But he also has these, these things that he is harsh at times. Whenever harshness is needed, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, I, I mentioned that the prophets kind of carry over the same type of thing like what the judges did. Well, we also have prophets in the New Testament, don't we? And to that, I want us to turn to uh, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And we see that, that Revelation and John experiencing uh, those things, it's just like what the Old Testament prophets experienced. But let's look at Revelation. And let's see uh, what he talks about with the Spirit there. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, we read this. This is in the introductory uh, material of, of the book of Revelation. So John is just kind of telling about himself and what's going on. And he says this. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos 
because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you have seen and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And if you keep reading, you'll find out that what those the contents of that scroll is, and you'll find out that message. And one of the things that you'll find out with those messages are sometimes they are pretty harsh. You know, sometimes it's a word of comfort. Yes, and I'm not trying to take away from that. Like I said, the whole point of these balanced beliefs is for us to recognize both of these things are part of our God. Both of these things need to be held within our beliefs because they are part of the nature of the God that we serve. So this spirit of the Lord that he was in on the Lord's day there, he says in verse 10 that uh, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. Okay, the spirit is guiding them uh, through, throughout this entire thing. And throughout the book of Revelation, you'll find several passages that are uh, things that, you know, we would look at and we would say, well, that's pretty harsh. It's the same types of things that we read about in the Old Testament. So God is, is bringing about these things through the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is allowing John to see these things that humans don't normally see. He's allowing them a glimpse into to kind of uh, God's mind, if you will, and God's world, if you will. And he's writing these things out to these churches. Look at the content of what he writes to those churches. And you will find many times it's warnings. Sometimes it's pretty harsh warnings. That's because the Holy Spirit has been involved in guiding God's people since the very beginning. And sometimes he is quite harsh. Now, we think that many times that's just, oh, that's just Old Testament stuff. No, it's New Testament stuff too. And to that, we actually can find very early on in the book of Acts, whenever the church is just beginning, we see one of those occasions in which the Holy Spirit was, by our definition, pretty harsh in what he was saying to the church. In Acts chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, this is the story that we come with there. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who had heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. Now, we're going to find out in just a moment what, what happens to, to his wife, but let's pause here, and let's, let's take these things in. Now, right here we see clearly that what's stated in verse 3 is that they have lied to the Holy Spirit. Specifically right here, Ananias. He has lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem here was not how he handled his money. Okay, that's not the issue. The fact that he was willing to sell his property and then try to give it to the, those who were in need, that's wonderful. That's great. The problem is that he said, look, we sold all of our land. This is how much we made and we're giving it all. I guess they wanted to, to look like, you know, that they were doing something really great, which, I mean, in all honesty, they were. But what Ananias said was, he lied about the price. He lied and he said he's giving up everything, even though he really didn't. He held back some of it on his own. So the problem is not how he handled his money. The problem is that he lied about it. 
And how could they think that they could even lie to the Holy Spirit? It is is beyond me. But you know what? Don't we do some of that same types of things in our own lives? You know, we think that maybe we can we can hide uh, this thing from someone else. You know, maybe you can hide uh, some things from humans, but you can't hide things from God. You can't hide things from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit here, he responds with what we would classify as a harsh judgment. Because Ananias, his life is ended there. He fell down and he died. And, you know, to us, this is kind of, this almost seems a little out of character for the Holy Spirit. But I remind you, when you read the pages of the Old Testament, you find out it's not so much out of character with the Holy Spirit. It's just different than what we're used to seeing. The Holy Spirit sometimes acts very critically, very harshly, whenever that is needed. And here, of course, there's there's even a little bit more to the story. So now we've seen what happens with Ananias. We've seen that the Holy Spirit, he does act out and he does something immediately. But now what happens whenever his wife comes? Verses 7 through 11. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the fleet of the men, the, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. This is one of those occasions that we see the, the harshness of the Holy Spirit coming out. We see in this story that the Holy Spirit can be harsh among, um, he can, we can see this harsh nature uh, among Christians. Now, usually that harshness that we see is, is acted out against people who are not Christians, you know, who are not followers of God. And that's what we've seen time and time again in the Old Testament. But, you know, we do find in this occasion and others uh, throughout both Testaments that the Holy Spirit sometimes is harsh with us even. If that's what we need. These people right here, they thought that they could conspire and, and test the spirit of the Lord. They couldn't trick God. They couldn't trick the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit here, he acted out uh, very quickly to show that this type of behavior is not going to be allowed in this new life in the spirit. Now, usually the Holy Spirit is much gentler with us. And that's where I want to kind of camp out for the rest of this, this lesson here. I want us to see how the Holy Spirit helps us whenever we need it. Romans chapter 8 is a wonderful chapter. So, so many things and it. it's like it, it kind of, it kind of pained me a little bit to not include the whole chapter because it's great. But this is what we've got. We're going to look at a few things here. We are going to look at verses 5 through 17, but we're going to kind of take it as some of these different, uh, different chunks. So Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 17. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to, to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So this is laying this foundation and telling us, look, there's this difference. There's this difference that should be among people who who are living according to the flesh and people who are living according to the spirit. The spirit that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is helpful to us. He is helpful in so many different ways. Uh, in, in the uh, uh, Throughout the Old Testament, 
We saw that the Holy Spirit was bringing about judgment among, on people. He also brought that judgment out upon Ananias and Sapphira and others as well. Um, but he brought on that judgment upon people who were living according to the flesh. I, I mean, you look at this, that a mind that's governed by the flesh, it's hostile to, to God. And we also find out in verse 8 that those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. That doesn't mean that we as humans can't please God. That means that if our mindset is just totally focused on fleshly things and worldly things, we cannot please God. We've got to do different. See, this description right here about our mind being governed by the flesh and us being in this realm of the flesh, this shouldn't. I would even say this, this cannot describe Christians. The Holy Spirit helps us to where it won't describe us. We've got to be willing to work with him, though. Let's find out some other ways that he helps us. The next few verses, verses 9 through 11. Here's the contrast. You, however, he's talking to Christians, and he's talking to us. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. You see this passage right here. You see how helpful the Spirit is to us. The Spirit does so many things for us to help us. Verse 10, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Verse 11, his spirit lives in us. His spirit is the one who gives us the strength, who helps us to be able to live this life and belong to Christ and remain in, in God's love and doing the things that God would have us to do. The spirit is the one who helps us in all of these different ways. Verses 12 through 17 now. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. This passage tells us of all these different ways that the Spirit helps us. That we need to be, like verse 14 says, we need to be led by the Spirit. And if we are led by the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God, then we are children of God. That means that we can cry out like verse 15 says, and by him, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. Now, I mean, that is, that is a very dear term. You've probably heard people talk about the, the phrase Abba Father, and it, it's, a close, it's a close relationship that you can have with, with your God, with, with our God. We can have this close relationship because the Spirit helps us. Verse 16, once again, reminds us that we are God's children. All this comes through the help of the Holy Spirit. And verse 17 reminds us that we can actually be heirs. These are a few different ways that God that God's Spirit helps us. There's one more in this chapter that I just, I can't help but go ahead and also mention it too. Romans chapter 8 verses 26 through 27 says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, 
We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And we, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. We see that the Spirit, he helps us in all of our different weaknesses. He helps us whenever we need to be able to pray, and maybe we just don't know even how to pray. The Spirit can help us in all these different ways. And finally, I want to share one, one final slide, one, one final passage that shows us that the Spirit produces things within us. And this is, this is another way that he helps us. In Galatians 5, 22 uh, through 25, we read about what is called the fruit of the Spirit. This means this is what the Spirit produces within us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit has always cared deeply about these things on this list that we see, and He desires them for us. And He will correct us, sometimes even harshly. He will correct us whenever that is needed. Within the Holy Spirit, we find out that He does what is necessary. If we need harshness, if we need just helpfulness and gentleness, the Holy Spirit will give us those things. The Holy Spirit is wonderful and He will guide us. Verse 25 again. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Am I fully serving from within? Speak of heaven, live in sin. A great change must take place in my mind. Oh, he shall